change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podsquibi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, we got a lot to get into this week, as we always do, but we have to start off with what happened on Sunday night. And for those that don't know, I believe this is now the third time in the 34-year history of the show, but The Simpsons, that cultural institution that's been around for over three decades, made another CFL reference in their latest episode. For those that didn't see it, the clip shows Homer building some sort of like football field in a court, like kind of like a field of dreams type cornfield and uh football field in the middle of a cornfield. And he wants to play football, I guess. I, I, I watched the clip. I'm sure you watched the clip as well. I'm sure most people listen to watch the clip. Looks like he wants to play football with a bunch of, I'm assuming dead football players since that's the, uh, that's the gist of what happens in field of dreams. And then he builds the field. You know, if you build it, they will come. The players show up, and the ones that emerge from the cornfield, shocking to Homer, they are all wearing red and white and maple leaves on their helmets, and it's because Homer accidentally built a Canadian football field. I think Marge makes some quip about, Homer, why are there two 50-yard lines? And then Homer realizes his mistake. The players start bumbling around, running into each other. Someone mentions a, a nice rouge or something, and Homer's all despondent, and then Doug Flutie, of all people, rolls up next to him. I'm not sure if it was Doug's actual voice, but Homer calls him Flutie, tells him to sh- Flutie's, to Doug Flutie's like, hey, want to go for a pass or Hail Mary, whatever it is, and Homer tells him to shut up, and I don't know, it's a another instance of the, the Simpsons being on, or the CFL, that is, being on the Simpsons. Famously, obviously, the, the draft episode that everyone brings up almost every year, either on the anniversary of that episode airing, or, of course, when the CFL draft is about to approach, everyone always puts out the picture of the two commentators uh, with the CFL draft behind them. So, Mike, and I say this with all the love in my heart, you can get a little defensive when shots are taken at the CFL. This wasn't exactly putting the CFL and their players in a, in a, real, in a great light. What was your reaction when you saw the clip, though? Well, it's my reaction to, you know, the Simpsons of the last 20 years. So, uh, slightly humorous, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Simpsons were great back in the day, um, seasons one through ten or something like that. Well, not even one. One and two kind of sucked, but yeah, one especially was really kind of yeah. Shitty. But that's how it is with with shows in general. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. The joke is we suck at football. Real funny. So. Yeah, like I didn't like the the people that are like overreact. Like my my issue is always with like the the doofuses who are like, oh, you can't make fun of the CFL. It's be- every the Simpsons pokes fun at everything comedy like mm. I, I didn't find the joke particularly funny like i'm no. i'm in the i'm in the same boat as you like i don't i can't tell you the last time i watched the simpsons honestly it's been probably over 20 years man maybe not that long we're 2022 eh, maybe close to 15 since i watched the simpsons with any regularity and i, I saw the clip and i was like eh. i mean the thing that offended me most is they had doug flutie left-handed like what are you okay. doing come on like Doug Flutie's known in the States, man. He's a right-handed – that Hail Mary he threw in Boston College to win the Heisman Trophy, right-handed quarterback, buddy. Come on. like get. But other than that, like, I just don't like it when people think that, like, the CFL can't be, like, the butt of a joke. You know what I mean? Like, there's some people who are just – and maybe they're just humorless in general, but, like, you can never joke about – like, they, things – everyone gets shots taken. Like, it's I, – I, they don't know what they're talking about, so I don't take offense to it. But I, with – like you, I've just – the Simpsons hasn't been funny for for me at least, and the drips and drabs that I've seen in quite some time. So I'm not really surprised that this joke wasn't wasn't all that great. No. If you know what I mean, it was uh, whatever. Like I mean, it's, it's interesting, but other than that, eh. yeah. I mean, people always love it when a show in the states like shows a CFL game for a second, or they talk about the CFL for a second. We 
you know, oh, Americans talked about us. Oh. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. I don't I don't care. Like I don't care what they think. No. I don't care. Like it was there was a one with uh, uh there was a sitcom where they made fun of some uh the ninety six halftime Grey Cup show or something. Yeah, it was how I met your mother. Yeah. The joke is you're you know, you played at the Grey Cup halftime show, you're a worthless piece of crap. You don't have any talent or whatever. I don't know what it was. But that's that's always the joke, right? Oh, it's Canada. Yeah, they suck at everything. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, there are there are little brothers to the north. I don't know. But I just I just I did see some people take like offense to it. And I just I don't get that. Yeah. Like, really? It, come on. Like, if is 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 a joke on the Simpsons gonna change anyone's perspective on the Canadian Football League? Like, of course it's not. Yeah. It's gonna change no, anyone's already- perspective on it's already in the dirt. Like the people who that joke is like, oh, hilarious. Canada sucks are going to think that anyway. And the people who don't think that are going to be probably like most people, I think, would be like you and I go. Oh, all right. Like, it's a joke. Whatever. Like, let's move on. Like, yeah, eh, whatever. They, they yeah. mentioned Doug. No, not something. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Not something I'm going to lose sleep over. But uh, it, it is what it is. And uh, I guess the the most humorous thing about it was the the 250 yard line comment by Marge, which is. Yeah. Which you chuckle a little bit. Yeah, and then went home was like, oh, I made a Canadian field. Like, yeah, yeah, it was kind of funny. The Broncos, that kind of thing, you know? Yeah, well, and that's just it. Like, he he made a mo- – like, that was – that's a classic Simpsons. That's a cla- that's, that's maybe my favorite episode of The Simpsons. The, yeah, the Hank one. Scorpio episode, that's one of the all-time greatest – like, when we're when we're, we're listening, like, top ten Simpsons episode, that's in the conversation is the best of all time. And that ends with the butt of the joke is – and funnily enough, like I think the Broncos like two years later won the Super Bowl, three years later won the Super Bowl. But at the time, the Broncos were terrible. Like That's what the that's what the Simpsons does. They make fun of everything. And you've been there, what, probably over 600 episodes over nearly 35 years. They've treaded on the CFL waters before. Like I, the draft thing I don't think is really making fun of the league. Any Like it's more just – Homer's like laying on the couch on a Saturday afternoon, with nothing to do, and the CFL draft is on. Yeah, yeah. This this is more That's like the league's about the joke. Results, he's long. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And like you know, they know enough to mention the Rouge, and that's I'm sure I'm sure that was the whole point of it was let's get a Rouge comment in because everyone always I mean you hate the Rouge, so you you would you would make a joke out of it too if it was your show. Yeah. Well, the, the funny thing is, like, I can come on this podcast and say you know, <laughs> all this stuff about the CFL, you know. Not in a, a positive light, obviously, and and like, but if anyone else does it outside of the circle, I do get a little bit up in arms because that's just what CFL fandom is about, I guess. Partially is like everyone hates it, so you're just you know a little. You bit feel defensive. extra defensive, but it's like it's like your little brother or little sister, right? Like you can pick on them, you can make fun of them, but if someone nice. outside the family does, well, it's go time. Like you're dropping the gloves and you're 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 breaking noses, right? Precisely. So, yeah. Anyway, let's move on to some actual football news. We have to talk some tie cats, unfortunately, and it's not great news. Mike Dylan Wynn took to Twitter over the weekend. I think it was Friday. Might have even been before the game to say that his season was over because of the injury he suffered against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers back in September. This is a bummer, man. This is a big time bummer that obviously the tie cats didn't need win in their victory over the Rough Riders last week. But can you really put a positive spin on this at all? Cause I don't think I can. This is a massive loss for the team. And when they're making a push for the playoffs and they might be dealing with some pretty decent running backs. I'm thinking William Stanback just came back from injury. Uh, I'm trying to think of the running backs. Out, uh, James Butler. You got Kadeem Carey. He's like, tremendous. They're They're good. They're going to, they're going to come up against some pretty decent running backs. If they want to win the cup and make the playoffs again. And the, this, this is a big blow. Is it not? It is. Uh, like you said, uh, the the Tiger Cats have been, if not the best run defense in the league, then near it for the last two seasons. And I'm sure a big reason for that is Dylan Wynn in the middle bringing that intensity every single snap. Uh, and and it's not like we have nobodies in the middle. You know, we still have Mickey Johnson and, and Ted Laurent, and and some younger guys that could probably do the job. But it's it's a hole. It, it really is in that middle of that line. I mean, Dylan Wynn brings so much to the team. Um, in a leadership standpoint and just a intensity standpoint on the field, you know, even, even outside of the running game, he's a guy that can get sacks in the interior of that defensive line. So yeah, it's a tough blow. No. And you, you mentioned that there will be guys that will fill his role and that's what they're here for, but there's a big difference between rotating in Micah Johnson, Dylan Wynn and Ted Laurent versus Micah Johnson and Ted Laurent and insert name here. You know what I mean? Like that's a, there's a, 
no offense to anyone who will fill these shoes. I'm assuming Teddy now takes the start. He was starting the last two weeks. I'm assuming that'll be the way, the way going forward. That actually gets Malik Carney onto the field, so that puts Mason Bennett into a backup role. I think that might even make the defensive line stronger, having Carney as the other end opposite Julian Hauser. But you can't look at this in any way but a negative. And if this team does go on a run or, or hopes to go on a run to make the playoffs, you, you needed 98 there to really sort of set the tone for this team. He's become, especially in Simone's absence, kind of that leader on defense. You know what I mean? Like you mentioned his intensity. Like I, you see some of these videos that the team posts ahead of the game or just some stuff you see on social media. Man, that dude is intense. Like it seems that the second he puts on the shoulder pads and steps on the field, he becomes a completely different person because you see him in any sort of like off the field thing. And he's one of the sweetest, most gentle, nicest guys you'll ever meet. Then you see him on the field and he's an absolute terror. That's going to be missed. That that ruggedness, that that veracity, you're going to miss that. Now the team is... Simone practiced all last week. I, he's he's posting himself on social media that he's about ready to come back. So you're going to get that back in the linebacking core. But man, how good this run defense has been over the last three years is almost not entirely attributable to Dylan Wynn, but he's he's a major major reason for that. And you mentioned what he can do in the past game too, stuffing like getting sacks, getting pressures. This is this is a really big blow to this team. And I know it sounds ridiculous talking about Grey Cup hopes for a five and ten team, but I mean, they're still in the hunt for the playoffs. And I mean, if we're being honest, probably do make the playoffs this year. Losing a guy like Dylan Wynn on the eve of this, what's becoming their most important stretch of the season. And that, that's, that hurts. That hurts a lot. Yeah, it does. And it's, uh, you know, the defensive line on the interior was, was one of the stronger points of this team. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta be worried about the, uh, the defensive ends, you know, able to bring that pressure, uh, down the stretch of games that we need to win because we need to have those guys do that. And I know that we got, you know, seven sacks on the riders last week, but that doesn't really count yeah. <laughs> to yeah. me. It's like, you're not going to get that pressure on other teams that are, you know, playoff teams and Saskatchewan may be a playoff team, but uh, we'll see what happens here. But yeah, it's, it's going to be like Hauser. And Carney need to get the pressure off the edge even more so now. Uh, well, you're, Dylan Wynn being. You're going through Montreal. You're going through Toronto to get to the, the cup, right? I mentioned William Stanback. The Argos don't really have much of a run game with Andrew Harris gone. Even with Harris, the Ticats tended to hem him in anyway, with the exception of the 2019 Grey Cup, unfortunately for, for us. But it's also about getting after the quarterback. And you have a couple like McLeod Bethel Thompson tends to hold the ball a little too long. Trevor Harris does not, and we saw what this what Trevor Harris could do against this team in two games in Montreal this year. When he's given time, even just a little bit of time, he's going to carve you up. And obviously, we we remember what he did as a member of the Red Blacks to the Ticats back in 2018 in, in the East Final. Just absolutely played maybe the best game of his career. I think he had, I know he had six touchdown passes. I think he had like two, three, or four incompletions. Like just absolutely ripped him apart. I don't think Trevor Harris is, and I think we agree on this. Trevor Harris isn't a, an elite quarterback, but give him enough time and without any sort of pressure. Well, I mean, it was the game against Montreal. What was it? Three weeks ago. Now they're not the last game, like the last game they played against the housing was previous to Dubai. They didn't get any pressure on him, and, and Harris was able to operate. Now they only won that game by a, by a touchdown, but you got to only win by one in the playoffs to knock your opponent out. And if they can't without win, I don't know if they can get enough pressure to make Harris uncomfortable. And if they can't, there's, that's going to be a tough game to win if they have to have to go into Montreal in the East final and beat Trevor Harris without getting any sort of quarterback pressure. All right. So moving on to CFL news, Mike, the Calgary Stampeders Inc. Ugh, pardon me. The Calgary Stampeders inked star receiver Malik Henry to a three-year contract extension last week. Now I don't necessarily want to talk about Henry's deal specifically, but more of its larger impact on the league. Cause the one thing we hear, right. Is every off season fans want players to stick around for longer. One-year deals are killing the league. We've seen time and time again, media members, Dave Naylor brings it up almost every free agency session. One year Fans hate one-year deals. Fans hate one-year deals. We saw a lot of players this offseason, Inc., two-year contract, the Ticats especially. Most of their pending free agents signed two-year extensions last winter. We've seen Taylor Cornelius and Jake Mayer sign two-year contract extensions in the last month. And now we have Henry here signing a three-year pack with the Stamps. So do you think we maybe are seeing the end to players signing multiple one-year deals instead signing larger deals? And do you think we will see guys sign now for two or more years more often going forward, kind of like 
because they, I think they added that thing where in, uh, if you've been in the league a certain amount of time, then some of your money is going to be actually guaranteed versus like sort of the fake guarantees they have. That probably played a role in this as well. But what do you think? Do you think we're going to see more multi-year packs with players and teams going forward? I hope so. I, I do think the one-year contract thing is overblown. Um, yes, a lot of players sign one-year contracts, but a lot of those players re-sign. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a lot of more money to be made like from team to team in the CFL. I mean, the salary cap is only so much, right? So maybe you get ten, fifteen thousand dollars from another team, but a lot of the time players are are comfortable in their situation and they want to stay where they are. Yeah, I think it's more often that teams decide they don't want to bring guys back versus guys deciding they don't want to stay. Yeah, I think it's going to be, you know, a player to player basis type thing. If 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 there's an established CFL player that's been in the league for, you know, three or four or five years and knows he's not going back down south, um, he's probably more li- uh, more likely to sign a two or three year deal in the CFL because that dream is dead for him. Now, the younger players... Uh, might want to sign a year to year deal uh, in case they want to go down south and try out. But I'm not even sure if in the CBA you can try out for uh, NFL teams in the offseason, even if you're signed. You can. The CFL. They, they changed yeah. that in the last CBA. A, a player, regardless of how many years he signed, every year for, I think there's a certain period. It's like December to early February or something where guys can work out for NFL teams regardless of their CFL contract status. So, that all that means is if they went to the NFL, if they came back, they'd have to honor their remaining years on their deal. Ah, okay, that makes sense then, uh, and, that, and that's good for the players too. Uh, I like that. So, I yeah, I, I hope like star players sign two or three year contracts because it's just good for the league to have players on the same team for a certain amount of years and and let the fans, um, you know, get to know them better and and maybe buy their jersey or their their t shirt jersey or whatever. So, um, I'm hoping that. This is a two or, you know, more people start signing two or three year contracts, but uh, we'll see how it goes. See, that's the thing. The Jersey thing is the, is the point I was going to bring up. There was two two points. That was the first one I was going to bring up is that even if guys do keep inking one year deals to stay with a team for six years, if you're a fan and you want to buy a Jersey, now I'm not really in that boat. I don't really buy jerseys anymore. They're just, honestly, they're just too expensive. I, and, and they're not as comfortable as they used to be. I don't know what it is, but. I don't like them as much as I did 15 years ago. Maybe I'm just getting older and who knows. Anyway, if a guy signs a three-year deal and you buy his jersey year one, you feel more confident that he's going to be there for a few more seasons. And if he plays well enough, he probably signs an extension or gets re-up. You know what I mean? Like you can probably feel pretty safe in, oh, I'm going to have this. This guy's going to be around. I'm going to wear his shirt. It's not going to look stupid in two years because he's playing for another team. I don't think that's how teams should. I don't think teams should operate in that regard. Don't get me wrong, but it's like that. I think from a fan perspective, I can understand why people, if you're going to invest $250 into a Jersey, you kind of want to be able to wear it more than one season's worth. So I kind of get that. And the other thing about, I I completely think the one-year contract thing's overblown because everyone talks about, even though off the field, the league was kind of in shambles, but everyone brings up like the 1990s as this like, oh, it was the most exciting time and scoring was up and look at all these great quarterbacks. Those quarterbacks moved around a ton. Like Doug Flutie played for three different teams over an eight-year period. Danny McManus was nine, won the cup in 94 with, uh, who was it, with BC, then was with Edmonton in the cup in 96, and then was with Hamilton in 98. Like, Damon Allen, how many teams did he play for? Tracy Ham, Matt Dunnigan, like the quarterback movement. I remember as a kid, quarterback was like, okay, all these quarterbacks are gonna, they're able to move. Who's gonna get? Who's gonna be left without a quarterback? And no one cared. No one cared that guys moved. You know what I mean? Like now, maybe people didn't care because they weren't buying jerseys or they weren't paying as much attention as they were now. But I just remember as a kid, like when court when the the great quarterback migrations would happen almost every offseason. People were excited about that because they were like, where's this next great quarterback going to go? Is he going to come to my team? And then, because like, look what Flutie did going from Calgary to Toronto. Took a Toronto team that was middle of the pack at best, made him the best team in the league for two years. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know. I I feel as if the whole play, not not, not players don't stick around because I, I, I do kind of get that, but the idea that player movement is bad, I I just don't buy it. I mean, look at look at the excitement already with Bo Levi Mitchell. You know, mm-hmm. he might be moving in the offseason, and people are wondering where he's going to go already. Like free agency. and what and what that'll do. Sorry to cut you off, but what that'll like how those dominoes will now fall if he goes to Toronto. Okay, where does McLeod Bethel Thompson go? And then when he goes somewhere, 
people, you're right. People are already speculating, and we're not even at the end of the season yet. Yes, and every year we we enjoy um, doing the free agency show, and you know, with all these free agents, maybe there's a little bit too many, but but it is an exciting time for us. I know that like where the, all these guys are going to sign, and for the most part, guys re-sign with their teams, but there is some big free agents out there that that move move to another city. So it is an exciting time. I just wish that it wasn't like the lists that come out are, are a mm-hmm. bit ridiculous. Even even with them sign, you know, most of them signing with their team, re-signing with their team, it's the list is is still a little bit ridiculous every year. There's like 20, 30 free agents on each team. It's a it's a little much. No, I agree. And I I, I think there's a middle ground to be found somewhere. I do think adding legitimate guarantees to contracts will stop this because you got a guy like Taylor Cornelius and Jake Mayer signing deals where about a hundred thousand dollars of their, and it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but a hundred grand ish of each of their contracts is now guaranteed for the second season of that deal. So even if both guys crap the bed, is a team going to want to eat basically a starting Canadian offensive lineman or starting Canadian receiver money to get rid of them? Are they more likely now this could also have the, the other effect too of, teams getting guaranteed players getting guarantees and contracts and then teams being stuck with subpar players. But we see that happen in, in sports. Like this is, this is part of the equation in the NFL where teams sign guys to big money contracts, be it in free agency or through the draft and then getting extensions. And it, the question becomes like, Oh man, did they, did they spend too much money and how, how are they going to get out of that? And if, if they have to eat that money, like what's that going to look like? I think it adds an, another layer of excitement because what if, if it was if everyone signed multi-year contracts and players never moved, would we really like? Are we really that interested in every year? You'd think it'd be like baseball, where just the the best if 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 the bombers stay good and everyone just stays in Winnipeg and no one changes teams, no team has a chance to really get any better. Why are we even bothering playing this another season? We know they're just going to be good again. You know what I mean? Whereas like guys moving around, free agency aside from the actual games themselves. I find free agency time to be the most fun because that's when you get to speculate and think of like, how can my team get better? And what can we take from, from the good teams to make them worse? And could this lead to I, that sort of stuff is fun. I wish we had more information so we could, we had even a better idea of like salary cap numbers and, and not necessarily individual player salaries because I'm still on the fence about that, but just knowing how much a team has in cap space and what they could do in free agency or what they could do in a trade scenario I think that stuff's kind of fun. I, th- I think everyone, I mean, the reason fantasy sports is so big is everyone everyone thinks they could be a general manager of a, of a sports team, right? Knowing that stuff and being able to piece it together, I think the more we know, I think the more fun we have. And I think, yeah, you want some of your players, like you would want your star players to, to stick around and, and sign contracts. And, you know, that knowing what, like, good teams draft really well. And I know, again, I know the CFL is different, but you, you use the NFL parallel, it's like, well, you've, you've drafted five guys that are all pros, but you can't sign them all. You got to pick and choose which ones, and then that one can leave and go somewhere else, and you got to draft someone else. I don't know. I think that stuff's kind of kind of fun, especially when we get to those kind of dry days in like late January, just before free agency starts, where there's not really a whole heck of a lot happening. Gives us something to talk about, speculate about, and have a little fun with. Well, yeah, and, and you look in the offseason this year, and a team like Ottawa, who was just dreadful uh, mm-hmm. the, the previous season, they sign all these these free agents, and then all of a sudden there's all this optimism about their team. Now, it didn't work out in the end, but... Um, and it, and it never does. How many times did... Uh, now, it hasn't happened to us since we do, do in the pod, but how many times did the Ticats win the Grey Cup, quote-unquote, in February by signing all these free agents, and then, oh, another 4-14 and 14 season? Happened all the time in the mid-2000s. Yeah, it did. Uh, it's not a not a great memory, but I I do remember <laughs> um, when they signed Casey Printers, and I was mm-hmm. floored. I, I was like ecstatic about that signing, and I thought, wow, we finally have our quarterback. We finally have our quarterback since Danny McManus. We hadn't had one, and uh, you know, signed a bunch of free agents, and and you see how that turned out. So it it doesn't usually turn out good when you sign like a a rash of free agents, but uh, it gets the fan base excited. So do you think that we will kind of wrap this up? Do you, th- if, if you had to guess, do you think we'll see more guys? Like, cause, cause Malik Henry's in his kind of mid twenties probably doesn't have much of an NFL future. He doesn't really have an NFL body or NFL speed. Do you think we'll see those guys or just guys in general, maybe be more apt to sign longer term with the, with the teams that brought them to the league, just because that's all they, you know, they, that's where they're comfortable. That's what they know. You mentioned those earlier, but like, 
do you actually think that this could be so like will you be more would you be more or less surprised if you see in free agency a guy signs a three year four year contract extension i'll be less surprised um i don't know exactly how the guaranteed money works but i assume that's got to help in some way to get these guys to sign a little bit longer um but yeah like i said i think it'll be a, a you know player to player type thing based on their age and uh their opportunities down south yeah, I think I think age will play a, a much larger factor in it because, because you're not seeing like stars in the CFL go down south anymore. No. Like it's the young, it's it's all about the younger guys that that have a big upside, right? And you know, like Doug Flutie going down and signing with the Bills at 36 years old is an anomaly. It's never gonna happen again uh, at that age. So um, you're gonna lose guys, but it's gonna be guys that you're not really even that familiar with. Yeah, you, now that you now that you mention that, you're right. Like the last superstar to go to this NFL was it Casey Printers? Like I'm trying to think of like a John Chick, I guess. Oh, Levi John, Mitchell went down there, didn't he? He did, but he never signed. He came back. He never actually played in the NFL. He didn't sign uh, with anybody. Remember, he went down and went to Minnesota and was like, "I'm here to beat Kirk Cousins for the job." And they're like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" But that's not he what. Wasn't that's camp, was he? Hmm? Was he? Did he go to training camp or was he just like, no, con- he, no, he never, camp? he never, he never went. He, right. I think I, 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 if I recall correctly, he worked out for like 10 teams. I think Jacksonville was on there, Denver, Minnesota. And no, he never, he never signed. He went down there. He, you know, acted his arrogant self. And I don't, I don't mean that negatively, but you know what I mean? Like he, I, I remember the thing where he went, I'm going to Minnesota. I'm, I'm here to beat him out for the starting job. And they're like, no, you're not. We can't have that. And then, Ended up just yeah. signing back with the stamps. Like, I guess Alex Singleton, maybe. Right. But, Al- yeah, that's- I, but even him, he's he's a fringe NFL player, but he's, I mean, he's made his mark down there. So, yeah, I guess he's maybe a, has been. He, but, like, was Alex Smith, was Alex Smith, was Alex Singleton like a superstar? Or was he, he was great, don't get me wrong. But I think there was also the, you know, he's Canadian, quote unquote, because he's not really Canadian, but he's Canadian, sort of thing. But, like when I when I think superstar, I think of like face of the league type guys, and I can't think of anyone like you mentioned Flutie, Ricky Ray, Ricky Ray went down to with the Jets, uh, Henry Burris went down to Chicago Bears, I think started a couple games for them, and then Printers went down with Kansas City, but I can't think of anyone. Alex Singleton's really the only one, and maybe like John Chick, like I said, because he he was pretty darn good in. Saskatchewan and then he went down I think he played for Indianapolis and Jacksonville for a couple of years before he then came back up to Saskatchewan and then obviously came to Hamilton but yeah you, it that now that you mentioned like you don't really see the star players go anymore it's like you don't really see the star players go anymore like we haven't lost a big name quarterback to the NFL in forever you know what I mean yeah and the next one that's supposed to be that guy is Nathan Rourke but mm-hmm. I don't know what the status of that is anymore with his injuries so you know, it's always exciting when, like, I I, I was excited when Flutie went down to the states. I I even cheered for the Bills for a short time, but yeah, it's been it's been a very long time since a CFL star has went down to the states and really made an impact. Uh, maybe Cam Wake was the last one that really, yeah, you know, he was an All Star. He was a Pro Bowl player, um, borderline Hall of Fame. I don't think he'll be in the Hall of Fame, but you but know, he's pretty darn he, close. He's pretty darn close. You can make the argument. So. Uh, yeah, it just doesn't really happen that often anymore. And even that, like you mentioned Rourke and you mentioned Cam Wake, those are younger guys. Like Cam Wake was in his, tw- like he only came up to CFL played two years. And Nathan Rourke's 24, maybe like it's not like when you mentioned Flutie or we saw, you know, Burris or they were, they were more, I guess Burris wasn't necessarily established, but Ray had won a great cup before he tried the NFL again. And yeah. You know, Jeff Garcia, like th- these were older, like Flutie was obviously, like, Flutie's the massive exception. Like you're never going to see a 30, like that would be like Trevor Harris getting an NFL shot this offseason. You know what I mean? Like, and that, I don't mean that as a, as a shot at Trevor Harris, but I guess being someone his age or it's like Zach Caleros. Actually, you know, that's the perfect parallel. Doug Flutie going to the NFL would be like Zach Caleros leaving Winnipeg this year and becoming the starting quarterback with the Detroit Lions. Like, I mean, he probably could be the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions, but you're not, I don't think you're going to see it. You know what I mean? Like we don't see those established mid thirties veteran players go down. They have, if they don't go down before they're 30, it's honestly like, that's it. They, they realize this is the league for me. 
This is the game for me. And then they just end up being up here for the rest of their careers. I just got a text message from Simone Lawrence. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is <laughs> what's going on. I'm not ready yet. I'm doing the podcast. Jeez Louise. <laughs> you know this? Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I was going to say something. What were we talking about? The, uh, going down. You know what I hate, going I hate the phrase? This player is too good for this league when they're talking about the CFL. I don't know. I just don't like that phrase. Like this player is too good for this league. I don't know. It just bugs me. Yeah. That doesn't seem you know very, I, mean? uh, I know what you mean and I get it, but I don't know. I just don't like the phrasing of that. Backhanded, backhanded compliments in a little, in a right. way, right? Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the other bit of news. And this is not really news, but something I kind of just wanted to get your opinion on. Monday, obviously yesterday, we're recording this on Tuesday, was Thanksgiving. And we had a Thanksgiving game between Montreal and Ottawa. We had a pair of these games last year. Ottawa played Montreal again. We also had Hamilton and Toronto here in Hamilton. 2019, we did not have any Thanksgiving games. But aside from that year, almost every year, we have at least one or two games on thanksgiving the cfl makes a big deal out of labor day they make a big deal out of the opening week obviously but i think they should start doing something with with thanksgiving i think you have this ottawa montreal game which i think is perfect have the red Blacks play montreal every thanksgiving then you throw some west game out i don't know what the sort of a secondary rivalry you'd want to build would be but there there's got to be something that you could do with a team out there i think then you have on the cfl calendar you have like opening weekend you have the Labor Day weekend kind of in mid-season. Then you have this Thanksgiving weekend near the end of the season. You have these three sort of marquee events before you get to the playoffs. I think fans would enjoy it. Everyone loved the fact that there was football on Monday afternoon. Why is the CF, why, do, why do you think, well, maybe not why do you think the CFL does it, but do you, do you think it's a good idea? And why wouldn't the CFL do this? I think it's a great idea. Uh, it doesn't make sense why they wouldn't. And, you know, you look at the scheduling this year, and none of it really made sense, but... Yeah, I mean, this should have been done years and years and years ago. There's nothing going on Monday afternoon on Thanksgiving, Canadian Thanksgiving. There's nothing on TV. Maybe a baseball game, but that's okay. No one's watching Houston versus, you know, whoever. Uh, if it's, if the- it's not the Jays in Canada, people don't really care that much. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I do the Ottawa-Montreal thing every Thanksgiving because they don't really have a, a Labor Day matchup or anything special throughout the year they, they do play on labor day though like not not labor day but they do play, they usually play that weekend friday night yeah yeah and then, yes, it's not a part it. of the regular thing but you could build up that rivalry these rivalries yeah. don't happen overnight man like you have to do something and i think building thanksgiving around ottawa montreal and then some sort of secondary western rival rivalry i think would be perfect yeah it just makes too much sense like like i don't i don't get why they haven't done this already it uh you'd probably get pretty good ratings like i said you know there it's it's thanksgiving monday nobody's doing anything unless you know you have to work like like me but i would i would make this a thing immediately going forward i have some ideas for the season that i would implement immediately like i would do a toronto hamilton game opening the year every season do a, a game on labor day labor day obviously and then and then do one another one late in the season um there's a lot of of you know, good ideas out there that could be done uh, in a CFL schedule, but they just have to, you know, think about it and actually try when they make it. Like, and I get it. Maybe it was COVID related why there was all these teams playing each other four times in a row this year. But going forward, let's let, let's make something special on Thanksgiving. What would be your second matchup? Because I feel like you have to do East-West, right? Like you do a, a two teams in the East, two teams in the West. I'm trying. I'm trying to because you got you. I don't. I don't think you want to do Saskatchewan, Winnipeg again. I don't think you want to do Calgary, Edmonton again. Do you do maybe Saskatchewan and Calgary? That's kind of a little bit of a rivalry. Do you do? I mean, it would be a good idea to get Saskatchewan in there, right? Yeah, I think yeah. For the TV ratings and all that stuff. So and and Saskatchewan doesn't really like. I know that there's and I've I've been part of it sort of like the. Saskatchewan's game and Winnipeg, that, that game's not really a Labor Day game because it doesn't take place on Labor Day. It's the Sunday before. You know what I mean? So it's not – and I get it because the travel involved, it's different than the than the Ontario and Alberta versions. But then you'd give them that maybe. I don't know. I There's There's got to be – like Ryder Stamp seems like a good idea. That, that's yeah. been a bit of a rivalry for the last 10 or 15 years. You know, 
I mean, I, you could make anything with the Riders a rival. I mean, Riders in BC used to be a rivalry. Riders yeah. in Calgary, you know. So you could you could do anything, you know, Riders versus whoever. Um, but make it the same each year, like they do in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think, like you said, there's nothing else going on. Like this year, hockey doesn't start until this week. Basketball doesn't start until next week. There was no baseball this year, and most years I don't think there will be a baseball on the Monday. So. Yeah, aside from Monday Night Football, which you can go 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, and then kind of bleed that that late game into the Monday Night Football game, maybe you attract some viewers looking to tune into the pregames. You know what I mean? Like, you never know. And and this year, I don't know if I'd necessarily – like, a lot of people have been talking about the entertainment value of the league, and I do think it's been it was better than a year ago. But I don't think it's been great. But one thing that the games have had is close endings. If you really want to attract maybe someone new to your product – and again, I'm not saying this will work, but – you go into like as bad as that Hamilton Saskatchewan game was on Friday, it was a four point game with two minutes left. You know what I mean? Like you that they were trading the ball back and forth and the riders were trying to make a, a comeback that will attract people. Like people will sit, Oh, there's two minutes left in this game and I'm waiting for the NFL game to start. Oh, I like football. Maybe I'll watch this for a bit just cause it's on. Right. I don't know. I feel like that it's a, there's, I, I just don't understand why the league hasn't, like why are you and i do like do they know something that we don't like you know what i mean like it just, it just feels like this this is a no-brainer and yet they every year it's like they're not they go like kind of they don't they don't make it as big as it should be no and, and sometimes they don't even have a game on labor day or thanksgiving monday like yeah 2019 they didn't have a game and that that to me at least at least have one yeah. i think it should be two but you got to at least have one to have none to me is like super bizarre. Yeah, absolutely. I think that they just, they, they need to, things need to like labor day is established and it will always be mm-hmm. the teams playing each other. Even the Saskatchewan Winnipeg game is a labor day weekend, whatever yep. on the Sunday. It's a big deal. Um, and it didn't used to be a huge deal when I was growing up or I didn't even know. It Same here. Big. I did. did I, I was going to mention that because I, they always mention it's like these three rivalries and growing up, it was always tie cats, Argos stamps, yeah. Edmonton. Like, I don't remember Winnipeg and Saskatchewan being a big deal. Now, games weren't broadcast all the time and, and all that sorts of stuff, but I never remember that being a really big deal. Yeah, maybe that game wasn't even on TV, like, back in the day. I don't You know what I remember that game being a big deal? When Troy Westwood made his banjo-picking yeah. hit comp. Yeah. Like, that's when I remember that that rivalry kind of took hold. Now, maybe that also coincided with TSN airing more games, you know what I mean? But I, growing up, I don't remember Riders-Bombers being that big a deal. No, I, I don't even remember it being a thing on that weekend. Like, I, to me, it was always Monday mm-hmm. was Ticats, Argos, Edmonton, Calgary, and then that was it. And then the rest was just, I didn't even notice, yep. to be honest with you. But, you know, I was a younger person at that time. and But, yeah, it's a good thing that we have it now because the more robberies, the better. But, yeah, back in the day, it, it was always just the Labor Day Monday games. Yeah, and that's a pretty, like, Winnipeg and Saskatchewan is, now that we see it all the time, pretty darn intense rivalry so it like it makes sense but yeah i, I remember the same thing when it when it kind of sprung up as like oh it's this great rivalry i was like i don't remember this as a kid now you know winnipeg bounced back and forth between the east and west when we were younger there was american yeah. expansion the game the big thing i think was all the games weren't broadcast like the cbc would show games maybe one or two tsm would show a handful and then like that that's the I'm crazy part of, like back in the day sorry to interrupt you there nope uh, i'm trying to think of like back in the day did tsn only show a friday night game because i remember cbc didn't even pick up the games until labor day yeah i think they might they might not have they might have only showed because i remember in the the 99 cup winning year the ticats were playing someone and i listened in my backyard on the radio because the game wasn't on television like I remember like that's and maybe that's why CFL fans are still so tied to like radio broadcast crews. Cause like did you have you noticed that that like no one else, like maybe baseball fans a little bit, but I you don't really hear a lot of other sports fandoms talk about how much they adore their like local radio play by play guys. But CFL fans love themselves some AM radio game broadcasts. And I gotta wonder if that's maybe because all the game like up until twenty five years ago. I mean, up until what, like 15 years ago, all the games were even like it wasn't until TSN took the contract uh, exclusively that we got every single game. And that wasn't until like, what, 06, 07. 
Like, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think 07 was the last Grey Cup on CBC, so it was probably 08 where they. Oh wait, took- and it's 2022, so it's less than like it's 15 seasons. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that's not a long time in the grand scheme of things. Of like, I've been watching this league for more than double that amount of time, and there were like, it it's it actually is kind of crazy that the CFL still even really exists when they were they had such a small footprint, but. Totally. You're is. right. I think you're right. I think CBC didn't show games until after Labor Day. I think you're right about that. But like, there's a lot of people out there, re- revisionist history that say, oh, those are the glory days when CBC. But they never got the chance to see the Matt Dunnigan game, the way he threw for the 700 yards. No one broadcasts on a TV. That's one of the no. big things. No one has footage of it. Could you imagine? Like, it's it's ridiculous. And I mean, we can go back to that and then we can see one game a week up until Labor Day and then and then CBC will take over. But, you know, and and don't get me wrong. TSN has a lot of work to do with their broadcast of the games. It's stale, all that stuff. But but people people don't remember what it was actually like to be a CFL fan when every game wasn't televised. I mean, it just wasn't better back then. It it wasn't. I mean, Toronto and Hamilton were they didn't even have an owner. Like back in 2002, <laughs> 2003, when CB and they were like about to fold. So yep. I don't know what these people are talking about. I, I I think it's more of the on like I think it's it's a lot of people looking back on their youth and being like, yeah. oh man, we had this player and that player, but you only got to see them like six times a year out of the 18 games they played. Like that's the crazy part. Is I th- and I think that might be why we a lot. If you ask a lot of people, like, hey, what's your favorite game from when you were a kid? If they're our age, say. And it's all the same games because those were the only ones we got a chance to actually see. Like, of yeah. course, we all love the 98 East final or the 04 Labor Day game or, you know what I mean? Because, well, we didn't see the one where they won 50 to 43 earlier in the season because it wasn't on bloody TV. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. But like you said, with the baseball and the CFL, they love their radio guys. But, you know, what do they have in common? Their fan bases. Yeah. Yeah. Old. old. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And old people do love themselves some AM radio. If my grandfather, may he rest in peace, if there's any indication, every time I'd walk into his house, the rate the talk radio was on. And yep. yeah, old people old people love their their AM radio. All right. Anyway, that was uh, a sidebar that I wasn't expecting us to go on. So let's uh, move on to the game preview, Mike. And I say this with all due respect to the Ottawa Red Blacks, but Friday is Hamilton's last legitimately worrisome game on the schedule, as far as I'm concerned, as they head into Calgary to take on the Stampeders. At McMahon Stadium, for the first time since 2019, they did not play in Calgary last year. Uh, I forgot that until I looked this up for for this week's show. And then I remembered us talking when the schedule came out for 2021. It's like, hey, at least we avoid the loss in Calgary every year. Because, Mike, we have talked about this every year, and all we do is just keep adding numbers to it. But we're going to do it again. The Ticats have not won in Calgary since 2004. July 4th, 2004 to be exact. Spider-Man 2, starring Tobey Maguire, was the number one movie in Canada that week. God, that's a long time ago. 2004, Mike, I was 22 years old the last time the Hamilton Tiger Cats won a game at McMahon Stadium. How old were you in 02? Uh, 04? Uh, I was... Oh, uh, 04, that's right, 04. Okay, uh, 19. Nine, oh, we, we were both legally able to drink, so at least there's that. We could we we could have, <laughs> have had a celebratory drink after that game if we if we knew each other back then. But the Ticats have lost 15 straight games at McMahon Stadium to the Stampeders. 16 straight if you count. They actually lost the 2019 Grey Cup there as well. They have lost those games, Mike, by an average of 13 points. And they have lost by at least two scores in seven of those 15 contests. If Hamilton loses this game, that means the Montreal Alouettes will clinch second place in the East Division, regardless of what they do earlier that night when they play play the Red Blacks again, this time in Ottawa. But if the Owls lose in Ottawa and the Ticats win against Calgary, suddenly second place is kind of in the cards. As I said, the Ticats end the season with back-to-backs against Ottawa and Montreal end with back-to-backs against Toronto. So could get kind of interesting there. But Mike, we are notoriously pessimistic when it comes to playing in Calgary. So tell me, are the Tabbies going to lose this by 20-plus or are they actually going to win this week? I want to... I'm going to say they're going to lose dramatically because that, that seems to happen there. You know, either we get blown out or we, you know, get a, a field goal. It's block. a heartbreaking loss. Field goal block, field goal miss, touchdown drop in the end zone. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, when I did research for this, there were a lot of, like, they lost, they obviously lost that 160 to one we know about. They lost, like, I think they lost 138 to seven or something. But then there was 15, 14 and 10, 10, three, I think. And 34, 32 and 35, 34, like. 
there were a lot of a lot of close games mixed in with the blowouts. And then I, as I'm reading, I'm going, oh yeah, they missed a field goal. Oh yeah, they had a field goal blocked. Oh yeah. So it's usually one of two: either they get blown out or they lose a heartbreaker. You're going heartbreaker this week. Yeah, but I'm gonna like obviously I really want them to win. I like they need to break the streak. Of- <laughs> Um, I'm not sure it's going to be this uh, weekend, but I, I sure hope so. I mean, we're not facing Bo Levi Mitchell this time. It's Jake Mayer. He, obviously, he's a very good quarterback as well. He took over the spot for Bo when he wasn't injured. So uh, he's the guy in Calgary now. We just have to play mistake-free ball. I mean, we can't afford to turn the ball over in Calgary. We have to play basically perfect ball to uh, to win this game. Um, you know, it's going to be going to be interesting to see how this run game stacks up against a team like Calgary because they have one of the best defensive lines in the league. Uh, we did really well in the past two weeks running the ball. I want to see if that continues because to me, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are a run the ball first team now, you know, mixing in the play action, run first and then mix in the play action to catch them, um, you know, to get them to get the ball over the top to the receivers. So it's going to be interesting to see if they can do that play, quote-unquote, bully ball against the Calgary Stampeders. I don't think they're going to win this week either. And usually when we both think they're going to lose, they actually end up winning, so this bodes well for them this upcoming week in Calgary. But I do – they've had such success in Edmonton. Like, have you seen them lose in Edmonton yet? Uh, Just the one game. Once. So and you you moved to Edmonton, what, 2016, 2015? 2016. 2015? I I I believe it was 2015. Oh, right, because you were there for the game that they almost put 50 on the board. Yeah, correct. Okay, so you were there in 2015. I think this is the first year that they haven't played in Edmonton in the time you've been here, and they've lost once. So they, 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 it's not as if Alberta's some big bugaboo that they can't get across. It's just this. Now, obviously, the Stamps being excellent has a lot to do with that. This is the most well-run franchise in this, like, they've had... They've been in the playoffs every year since oh since, since the last year the Ticats beat them was the last year the Stamps didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, that should tell you everything you need to know about how good Calgary's was been. Year? Was that the Dunnigan year where he was coach? That was, that, that was Dunnigan year, yeah. And then they got, uh, was it Tom Higgins? I think I Tom so. Higgins took over. And, yeah, because the Stamps finished like 4-14 and 14 or 5-13 and 13 in 04. But what, 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 what about this as a sort of a, this is an analysis, but they didn't play in Edmonton this year. They got to get their one win in Alberta at some point. This is the year they break the streak. Uh, I'll, I'll go along with that logic. I mean, <laughs> why not? I, I mean, it support. makes it makes as much I sense mean, as any sort of analysis on the game. No. Yeah, I mean, what are we going to say? Put pressure on Jake Mayer. Blah blah blah. But um, I do, I do like your idea of run the football because yes. that is what has been successful. For, last week, obviously, goes without saying how well they ran the ball. But even the week before against Montreal, they ran the ball pretty well. And if they would have run the ball inside Montreal's two-yard line, maybe they would have won that game instead of lost. So that seems to be, with West Hills back there, they've become a pounded out, grinded out, like put together these 14-play, seven-minute drives. Like they did against Winnipeg and, and crushed the Bombers with it. They did against the Riders. And, and even though they only got field goal, I think they got a touchdown against Winnipeg, field goal against Saskatchewan. It was... The inevitability that, okay, we're running on first down, we're picking up eight yards. We're going to run it on second down, we pick up four yards. We're going to run it on first down, pick up six. We're going to throw for set. Like, just the methodical way that they went down the field against those two teams in those games. And I think they did it. Actually, the, the touchdown drive that they didn't have, the one that, that could have been a touchdown drive, they would have handed the ball off. That was a, a hundred yard drive. They went, they went from their own two to Montreal's two. Like, this team has shown an ability at least once a game over the past month to take the ball at some point and just eat half a quarter. And if they could do that against Calgary with some consistency and then find some, like you said, do the play action pass, find some chunk plays in the passing game. Maybe they can actually beat Calgary. Cause like, I know Calgary has been pretty good this year, but I don't, they're not as dominant as they've been in the, no. de- in the last decade. So this might be their best chance given. And I know that's weird to say from a team that a hasn't won on the road at all this season and B is five and 10, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think I'm more optimistic about this game than I've been about most of the games going into Calgary over the last 10 years or so. I mean, if I know it was at home, but if we can put a whooping on Winnipeg like we did, mm-hmm. we can beat anyone on any given day. I mean, it's just... Well, and don't forget the game against Calgary at the start of the year. They were kicking the tail off them until they completely collapsed in the second half. So it's not as if the Stamps 
the Ticats haven't had success against Calgary. They just haven't got the wins. But they've played them in like I mean, I think that was I think they beat Calgary and, and Hamilton the last two times they played before this year. But I mean, they can play with this team. It's just a matter of I think your your biggest point is don't turn the ball over. You don't turn the ball over, they're gonna they're gonna be at least be in the game. And yeah, don't aside from last week in Saskatchewan, that's been the case. They don't turn the ball over, they win. Yep. Yeah, pound the rock. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, don't allow Kareem Carey to run all over you because he he is one of the best running backs in the league. Yeah, very dangerous. So, you know, take him away. Make them pass the ball, which they usually do with every single team. That, I mean, they no one can really run the ball on the Tiger Cats. Maybe it's different now with Dylan Wynn out of the equation. But uh, we'll yeah, see this make, week because because the Stamps are going to run with Carey. They're going to give him his yeah, touches. They're going to. So if we can stuff him. Um, if we if we don't turn the ball over, uh, if we can run the ball like we have been running the ball in the last two to three games, you know, we do we have a shot. We will have a shot. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to win it, but I think that it will be close. I don't foresee any type of blowouts or anything like that. I don't foresee the Tiger Cats showing up flat to this game. It's an important game for both teams. So I think we're going to see a slugfest. All right. All right. I, I kind of like where that's going. I, too, don't think. Either team's going to come out here and, and mail it in. I think the Stamps now, with BC's loss last week, have eyes on second place. They got they, And I think even if Hamilton loses this game, we know if they win their last two against the, the Red Blacks, even if they win what, like Calgary goes against the Riders, I think Calgary, even if they might not have a lot to play for, will probably want to take the Riders out just because of that rivalry that, that has been around for the last little bit that we talked about earlier. I would if the Ticats win this game, I think they I I would feel comfortable going coming on the show and saying they're going to make the playoffs. If they lose this game, I'm a little less comfortable doing that, but I still think that it can happen. But I do think we're gonna get we're gonna get a pretty good game between these two teams on which is weird to think because I think Calgary's ten and five, Hamilton's five and ten, and I feel like they're a little closer than maybe their record suggests, especially recently. Like Calgary hasn't played overly great. You know, I mean they they beat the pants off the Argos, but Toronto's had that season where one week they look great and the next week, I mean, they've had it in games where one half they look terrible and the next half they look fantastic. Right. So maybe the hardest team in the league to pin right now is, is, is Toronto. Uh, but I don't know this, this, like I said, I feel more optimistic going to this game. than I think I have in any game between these two teams and maybe 2019 aside every other game since maybe like 2011 that I really feel like they could actually go in there and, and get mm-hmm. this win. But We'll see if if the if the misery at McMahon continues, I won't be surprised either. No, I'm 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 with you there. It's just they just uh, you know it, it'll be good for the standings, obviously, and it'll just be good for the morale of this team beating a strong team like Calgary. You know, if you if they beat them, then we'll have wins over Winnipeg and Calgary in the last month and a half or so. So that's that that's uh, confidence boosting to the team as well. For sure, for sure. All right, that was uh, Podsky Weaver for this week. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.